<clears throat> Ashley Brock, Ryan, Nora Griffins, Nora Griffins, Nora Roberts. There's no such name person as Nora Griffin. Nora Roberts, book Sea Swept, chapter five. Anna got into work early. Odds were her supervisor would already be at her desk. You could always count on Marlowe Johnston to be at her desk or within hailing distance. Marlowe was a woman Anna both admired and respected. When she needed advice, there was no one whose opinion she valued more. When she poked her head around the open office door, Anna smiled a little. As expected, Marlowe was there. Buried behind the files and paperwork on her cluttered desk, she was a small woman, barely topped five feet. She wore her hair close-cropped for convenience as much as style. Her face was smooth like polished ebony, and the expression on it could be remain composed even during the worst crisis. Monkey, get down! A calm center was how Anna often thought of Marlowe, though how she could be calm when her life was filled with a demanding career, two teenage boys in a house that Anna had seen for herself was constantly crowded with people was beyond her. Anna often thought she wanted to be Marlowe Johnston when she grew up. Got a minute? Sure do. Marlowe's voice was quick and lively, right with, with that southern shore accent that caught words between a drawl and a twang. She waved Anna to a chair with one hand and fiddled with the round gold ball in her left hand. The Quinda Lautner case. Right? Right. The first time. There were a couple of faxes waiting for me yesterday from the Quinn's lawyer. A Baltimore firm. What did our Baltimore lawyer have to say? The gist of it is they're pursuing guardianship. He'll be pushing through a petition to the court. They're very serious about keeping Seth the Lautner in their home and under their care. And it's an unusual situation, Marlowe. Up till now, I've spoken with one of the brothers, the one who lived in Europe until recently. Cameron, impressive impressions. He certainly makes one. Because Marlowe was also a friend, Anna allowed herself a grin and roll her eyes. A treat to look at. I can. I came across him when he was repairing the back porch steps. I can't say he looked like a happy man, but he was certainly a determined one. There's a lot of anger there and a lot of grief. What impressed me the most, other than his looks, other than his looks, Anna agreed with a chuckle, was the fact that he never questioned keeping Seth. It was a simple fact. He called Seth his brother. He meant it. I'm not sure he knows exactly how he feels about it, but he meant it. <laughs> she went on while Marlo listened with content, calm, without comment, detailing the conversation. Cam's willingness to change his life and his lifestyle, his concerns that Seth would be both if he were ever taken out of the home. And, she continued, after speaking with Seth, I tend to agree with him. I think the boy's a runner. When I suggested foster care, he became angry, resentful, and afraid. If he feels threatened, he'll run. She thought of all the children who ended up on the mean, mean streets of inner cities, homeless, desperate. She thought of all of what they did to survive, and she thought of how many didn't survive at all. They, it was her job to keep this one child, this one boy, safe. He wants to stay there, Marlowe. Maybe he needs to. His feelings about his mother are very strong and very negative. I suspect abuse, but he's not ready to discuss it, at least not with me. Is there any word on the mother's whereabouts? 
No, we have no idea where she is or what she'll do. She signed papers allowing Ray Quinn to begin adoption proceedings, but he died before they were finalized. If she comes back and wants her son, Anna shook her head. The Quinns would have a fight on their hands. You sound as though you'll be in their corner. I'm in Seth's, and I'm going to stay there. I spoke with his teachers. She pulled out a file. I have my report on that. I'm going to back today to speak with some of the neighbors and hopefully to meet with all three of the Quinns. It may be possible to stop the temporary guardianship until I complete the initial study, but I'm inclined against it. The boy needs stability. He needs to feel wanted, and even if the Quinns only want him because of a promise, it's more than he's had before, I believe. Marlowe took the file, said, I signed this case to you because you don't look at just the surface, and I sent you in cold because I wanted your take. Now I'll tell you what I know about the Quinns. You know them? Hannah, I was born and raised on the shore. She smiled beautifully. It was a simple fact, but one she had a great pride in. Ray Quinn was one of my professors at college. I admired him tremendously. When I had my two boys, Stella Quinn was their pediatrician, and so we moved to Princess Annie. We adored her. When I was driving out there yesterday, I kept wishing I'd had the chance to meet them. They were exceptional people, Marlowe said simply. Ordinarily, even simple in some ways. And exceptional. Here's a case in point, she added, leaning back in her chair. I graduated from college 16 years ago. The three Quins were teenagers. You heard stories now and again. Maybe they were a little wild and people wondered why Ray and Stella taking on half-grown men with bad tendencies. I was pregnant with Johnny, my first, working my butt off to get a degree and held my and helped my husband. Ben paid the rent. Paid the rent. He was working two jobs. We wanted a better life for ourselves and we sure as hell wanted one for the baby I was carrying. She paused, turned the double picture frame on her desk to a closer angle so that she could see a true young man smile at her. I wondered too, I wondered too, figuring they were crazy or just playing up being Samaritans. Professor Quinn called me into his office one day. I missed a couple classes. The worst case of morning sickness known to, me, to woman. So made a grimace. I swear I don't understand how some women reminisce over that kind of thing. In any case, I thought he was going to recommend me drop in his class. Prevent losing the credits toward my degree. With me an inch away, an inch away, and I would be the first in my family with a college degree, I was ready to fight. Instead, he wanted to know what he could do to help. I was speechless. She smiled, remembering, then beamed over at You know how impersonal college can be? Huge lectures where a student is just one more face in the crowd. But he noticed me. He'd taken the time to find out something about my situation. I burst into tears. Hormones, she said with a weary smile. Well, he patted my hand, gave me some tissues, and let me cry it out. I was on scholarship, and if my grades dropped or I blew a class, I could lose it. I only had one more semester. He said for me not to worry. We'd work it all out, and I was going to get my degree. He started talking about this and that to calm me down. He told me some stories about teaching his son to drive. It made me laugh. It wasn't until later I realized he hadn't been talking about one of the boys he'd taken in. Took me. It wasn't until later I realized he hadn't been talking about one of the boys he'd taken in, because that's not what they were to him. They were his. A sucker for a happy Anna. Ending Anna said, and you got your degree. He made sure I did. I am for that, which is why I didn't tell you about this until you formed your some impressions of him. As for the three Quins, I don't really know them. I've seen them at two funerals, so I'll set the Lautner with them at Professor Quinn's. For personal reasons, I'd like to see them have a chance to be a family, but 
She laid her hand upon the palm. The best interest of the boys come, boy comes before that. In the structure of the system. You're thorough, Anna, and you believe in structure and in the system. Professor Quinn would have wanted what's best for Seth, and to repay an old debt, I gave him you. Anna blew out a long breath. No pressure, huh? Pressure's all we've got around here. That's it on cue. Her phone began ring, and the clock's running. Anna wrote, I better get to work then. Looks like I'll be in the field most of the day. It was nearly 1 p.m. when Anna pulled up in the Quinn's drive. She managed to conduct interviews with three of the five names Cam had given her the day before. She hoped to expand on that before too much more time too much more time passed. Her call to put Philip Quinn's office in Baltimore had given her the information that he was on leave for the next two weeks. She was hoping she would find him here and be able to file an impression of another Quinn. But it was the pup who greeted her. He barked ferociously, even as he backed rapidly away from her. Anna watched with amusement as he peed on himself in terror. With a laugh, she crouched down, held out a hand. Come on, cutie, I won't hurt you. Aren't you sweet? Aren't you pretty? She kept murmuring to him until he bellied over to sniff her hand, then rolled over to ecstasy as she scratched him. For all you know, he's got fleas and rabies. And Anna glanced up and saw Cam in the front in the front doorway. For all I know, so do you. With a snort of a laugh and his hand stuck in his pockets, he came out on the porch. It was a brown suit today, he noted for the life of him. He couldn't figure why she picked such a dull color. I guess you're willing to risk it since you're back. Didn't expect you so soon. A boy's welfare is at stake, Mr. Quinn. I don't believe in taking my time under the circumstances. Obviously charmed by her voice, the puppy leaped up and bathed her face. The giggle escaped before she could stop it. A sound that made Cam raise his eyebrows. Defending herself from the puppy's eager tongue, she rose, tucked down her jacket and her dignity. May I come in? Why not? This time he waited for her, even opened the door and let her go ahead of him. She saw a large and fairly tidy living room. The furniture showed somewhere, but appeared comfortable and colorful. The spinet in the corner caught her eye. Did he play? No, really. Without realizing, Cam ran a hand over the wood. He didn't notice that his fingers left streaks in them. My mother did, and Philip got near for it. I tried to reach your brother Philip at his office this morning. He's out buying groceries because he was pleased to have won that battle. Can't smile. He's going to be living here for the foreseeable future. Easing too. He worked fast. A boy's welfare is at stake, he said, echoing her. Anna nodded at a distant rumble of summer. She, thunder. She glanced outside, frowned. The light was dim, and then the wind began to kick. I'd like to discuss this with you. She shifted her briefcase, glancing at her. Is this going to take long? I couldn't say. And let's do it in the kitchen. I want coffee. Fine. She followed him, using the time to study the house. It was just neat enough to make her wonder if Cam had been expecting her. They passed the den where the dust was layered over tables. The couch was covered with newspapers and shoes littered. Missed that, didn't you? She thought with a smirk, but she found it enduring. Then she heard his quick and vicious oaths and nearly jumped out of her practical shoes. God Damn it. Shit. What the hell is this? What next? Jesus Christ. He was already sloshing through the water and suds flowing over the kitchen floor to slap at the dishwasher. Anna stepped back to avoid the flood. I'd turn that off if I were you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I've got to take the bitch apart. He dragged the door open. Notion of snowy white suds spewed out. Anna put the inside of her cheek. Oh, uh, what kind of soap did he use? Do soap. 
Vibrating with frustration, he yanked the bucket out from under the sink. This washing soap or this washing soap? What the hell's the difference? Furious, he started to bail. Outside, the brain began to fall in hard driving sheets. This, keeping her face admirably somber, she questioned, suggested the river running over the floor. This is the difference. If you use the liquid for hand washing dishes and a dishwasher, this is the inevitable result. <laughs> he straightened the bucket in his hand, and a look of such pain and irritation on his face, she couldn't hold back the laugh. Sorry, sorry, look, turn around. Why? Because I'm not willing to ruin my shoes on my hose. So turn around while I take them off, and I'll give you a hand. Yeah? Prep. Pathetically grateful, he turned his back and even did his best not to imagine her peeling off her stockings. His best wasn't quite good enough, but it was the effort that counted. He even handled most of the kitchen chores when we were growing up. I did my share, but it doesn't seem to have stuck with me. <laughs> you seem to be out of your element. She tucked her hose neatly in her shoes, set them aside. Get me a mop. I'll swab. You get the coffee. He opened a long, narrow closet and handed her a string up. I appreciate it. Her legs, he noted, as he sloshed over from mugs, didn't need hose. They were pale and fascinating gold in color and smooth as silk. When she bent over, he ran his tongue over his teeth. He had no idea a woman with a mop would be quite so attractive. It's so amazingly pleasant, he realized, to be here with the rain drumming, wind howling, and a pretty barefooted woman keeping him kitchen, kitchen company. You seem to be in your element, he commented. And when she turned her head and eyed him baldly, I'm not saying it's woman's work. My mother would have skinned me for that thought. I'm just saying you seem to know what you're doing. <laughs> she worked her way through college cleaning houses. She knew very well. I can handle a mop, Mr. Quinn. Since you're mopping my kitchen, you ought to make a cam. About Seth. Yeah, about Seth. Do you mind if I sit down? Go ahead. She caught herself being, for she caught herself before she began to hum. The, the mindless chore, the rain, the isolation, were just a tad too relaxing. I'm sure you know I spoke with him yesterday. Yeah, and I know he told you he wanted to stay here. He did, and it's in my report. I also spoke with his teachers. How much do you know about his schoolwork? I haven't had a lot of time to get into that yet. When he was first enrolled, he had some trouble with the other students. Fist fights. He broke one boy's nose. Good for him. Can't thought was a surprising tuck of pride, but he did his best to look disappointed. Who started it? That's not the point. However, your father handled the situation. At this point, I'm told that Seth keeps mostly to himself. He doesn't participate in class, which is another problem. He rarely turns in his homework assignments, and those he does, father to turn are mostly often softly done. Can't felt a new headache, so the kid's not a scholar. On the contrary, Hannah straightened up, leaning on the mop. If he participated even marginally in class, and if his assignments were done and turned in on time, he would be a straight-A student. He's a solid B student, as it is. So what's the problem? Anna closed her eyes a moment. The most problem is that Seth's IQ and evaluation tests are incredibly high. The child is brilliant. Though he had his doubts about that, Cam noted. So that's a good thing. And he's getting decent grades and staying out of trouble. Okay, she would try this a different way. Suppose you were in a Formula One race. Been there, he said with wistful remembrance. Done that. 
right, and you had the finest, fastest, hottest car in the field. Yeah, he said. I did. But you never tested its full capabilities. You never went full out. You never punched it on the turns or popped it in the fifth and poured down the straights. His brother, you follow racing? No, but I drive a car. Nice car, too. What have you had it up to? 88, she thought was secret glue, but she would never admit it. I consider a car transportation, she said, lying primly. Not a toy. No reason it can't be both. Why don't I take you out in the better? Now that's a fine mode of entertainment transportation. Well, she would have loved to indulge in the fantasy of sliding behind the wheel of that slick white bullet she had to put a point to make. Try to stick with the analogy here. You're racing a super, a superior machine. If you didn't drive that car the way it was meant to be driven, you'd be wasting its potential. And maybe you're still finishing the money, but you wouldn't win. He got her point, but he couldn't help her. I usually won. And a secret, Seth, said without a rule patience. We're talking about Seth. He's socially stunted, and he defies authority constantly. He's regularly given in school suspension. He needs supervision here at home when it comes to this area of his life. You're going to have to take an active role in his schoolwork and his behavior. Seems to me a kid gets bees, he ought to be left the hell alone. But he held up a hand before she gets be Potential. I had potential drummed into my head by the best. We'll work on it. Good. She went back to Muffy. I had communications from your lawyer in regard to the guardianship. It's likely you'll be granted that, at least temporarily, but you can expect regular spot checks from social services. Meaning you. Meaning me. Can't yeah, pause a moment. Do you do windows? <laughs> she couldn't help but she laughed as she dumped saucy water into the sink. I've also talked to some of your neighbors, and we'll talk some more. She turned back. From this point on, your life's an open book for me. He rose, took the mop, and to please himself, stood just an inch closer than was polite. You let me know when you get to a chapter that interests you on a personal level. Her heart ain't too hard, knocks against her ribs. A dangerous man, she thought, on a personal level. I don't have time for much fiction. She started to step back, but he took her in. I like you, Miss Spinelli. I haven't figured out why, but I do. That should make our association simpler. Wrong. He skinned his thumb over the back of her hand. It's going to make it complicated, but I don't mind complications. It's about time my luck started back on an upswing. You like Italian food? The name like Spinelli? He grinned. Right. I could use a quiet meal in a decent restaurant with a pretty woman. How about tonight? I don't see any reason why you shouldn't have a quiet meal and a decent restaurant with a pretty woman tonight. Deliberately, she's her hand free. But if you're asking me for a date, the answer is no. First, it wouldn't be smart. Second, I'm booked. Damn it, Cam. Didn't you hear me honking? And a turn that's all soaking wet and bitterly angry. Man, Cardi two heaping bags of groceries in the room. He was tall, bronze, very nearly beautiful, and spitting mad. Philip shook the hair out of his eyes and focused on Anna. The shift of expression was quick and smooth, from snarling to charming in the space of a single harpy. Hello, sorry. He dumped the bags on the table and smiled. Didn't know Cam had company. He sipped the spied the bucket, the mop, held between them, and leaped to the wrong conclusions. I didn't know he was going to hire domestic help, but thank God. Philip grabbed her hand and kissed I already adore you. My brother Philip came to dry. This is Anna Spinelli with social services. You can take your 
Flamingo out of your mouth now, Phil. That's hard to shift her face. Mr. Vanilli, it's nice to meet you. Our lawyer's been in touch, I believe. Yes, he has. <laughs> Mr. Quinn tells me here we live in here now. I told you to call me Cam. He walked to the stove to top off his coffee. There's going to be confusion if you call all of us Mr. Quinn. Cam heard the rattle of the back door and got another mug down, especially now. He said the door burst open, let in a dripping dog on me. Christ, this bitch blew in fast. Even it, even as Ethan dragged off his slicker, the dog set his feet set his feet and shook ferociously. Anna only once says water sprayed or barely smelled her before. He spotted Anna and automatically pulled off his soaked cap, then scooped a hand through his damp curly hair, seeing a woman bucket mop he thought guiltily about his mother boots. Ma'am's my other brother Ethan. Tim's hand and Ethan a steaming cup of coffee. This is a social worker. Your dog just sprayed water and dog hair all over. Sorry, Simon. Go sit. It's all right, Kim. Fool's already slobbered all over here, and Philip just got finished hitting on her. Anna smiled plainly. I thought you were hitting on me. I asked you to dinner, Kimberly. If I'd been hitting on you, I wouldn't have to be subtle. Can't sip this cup. Well, now you know all the players. She felt outnumbered and more than a little unprofessional standing there in the dimly lit kitchen and her bare feet facing three big, outrageously handsome men. In defense, she pulled out her every scrap of dignity and reached for a chair. Gentlemen, shall we sit down? This seems to be an ideal time to discuss how you plan to care for Seth. She angled her at a camp for the foreseeable future. Well, Philip said an hour later, I think we pulled that off. <laughs> Canceled at the front door, watching the neat little sports car drive away in the city night. <sighs> She's got our number, Cameron. She doesn't miss a trick. I like her. Ethan stretched out in the big wing chair and let the puppy climb into his yeah. Get your mind out of the sewer, Cam. He suggested when Cam's thinking. I mean, I like her. She's smart and she's professional, but she's not cold. Seems like a woman who cares. She's got great legs, little padded. But regardless of all that, she's gonna note, note, note down every time we screw up. Right now, I'd figure we've got the upper hand. We got the kid, and he wants to stay. His mother's run off to God knows where and isn't making any noises at the moment. But it, but if pretty Anna Spinelli talks to too many people around St. Chris, she's gonna start hearing the rumors. Dipped his hands in his pockets and started pace. I don't know if they're going to count against us or not. They're just rumors, he said. Yeah, but they're ugly. We got a good shot at keeping Seth because of Dad's reputation. That reputation gets smeared, and we'll have battles to find on several fronts. Anyone tries to smear Dad's rep, they're going to get more than a fight. Philip turned again. It's just what we have to avoid. If we start going around kicking ass, it's only going to make things worse. So you be the diplomat. Cam struck and sat on the arm, so I'll kick ass. I'd say we better off dealing with that, with what it is, than what we might be. Thoughtfully, you've been struck. I've been thinking about the situation. It's going to be rough for Philip to live here and commute back and forth to Baltimore. Sooner rather than later, Cam's going to get fed up with playing house. Sooner's already here. <laughs> I was thinking we could pay Grace to do some of the housework, maybe a couple of days a week.
Now that's an idea I can get behind 100%. Cam dropped on you, so trouble with that is it leaves you with nothing much to do. The idea is for the three of us to be here sharing responsibility for set. That's what the lawyer says. That's what the social worker says. I said I'd find work. What are you going to do, Philip asked. Pump gas? Shuck oysters? You put up with that for a couple of days. Camling for I can stick. Can you? Odds are after the first week of commuting, you'll be calling from Baltimore with excuses about why you can't make it back. Why don't you stay here and try pumping gas and shucking oysters for a while? The argument was inevitable, and minutes they were both up and nose to nose. It took several attempts before Ethan's voice got through. Cam stepped back and with a puzzled frown turned. What? I said I thought we ought to try building boats. Building boats. Camp Houston. For what? For business. Ethan took out a scar, but ran it through his fingers rather than lighten it. His mother had loud smoking in the house. We got a lot of tourists coming down this way in the last few years, and a lot more people moving down to get out of the city. They like to rent boats. They like to own boats. Last year, I built one in my spare time for this guy out in D.C., a little 14-foot skiff. Called me a couple months ago to see if I'd be interested in building him another one. Once a bigger boat with a sleep cabin and galley. Ethan tucked the cigarette back in his pocket. I've been thinking on it. It took me months to do it alone in my spare time. You want us to help you build a boat? Philip pressed his fingers through the net. Not one boat. I'm talking about going into business. I'm in business. I'm in advertising. And we'll be needing somebody who knew about that kind of thing if we were starting a business. Boat building's got a history in this area, but, but nobody's doing it anymore on St. Chris. Philip said, it occurred to you that there might be a reason for that? Yeah, it occurred to me, and I thought about it, and I figured it's because nobody's taking a chance. I'm talking wooden boats, sailing vessels, a specialty, and we already got one client. Camera vision. Hell, Ethan, I haven't done that kind of work since, seriously, since we built your skipjack. That's been Jesus, almost 10 years. And she's holding, isn't she? So we did a good job with her. It's a gamble. He had to know that single word was the way to Cam's heart. We've got money to start up costs. Cam murmured, warming up to the idea. How, how do you know? Philip demanded. You don't have a clue how much money you need for a startup cost. You'll figure it out. Roll the dice, Cam thought. He liked nothing better. Christ knows I'd rather be swinging a hammer than a damn vacuum hose. I'm in. Just like that, Philip threw up his hands without a thought to overhead, profit, and loss, licenses, taxes, insurance. Where the hell are you going to set up shop? How are you going to run the business? That's not my problem. Came said, that would be yours. I have a job in Baltimore. I had a life, Came says, in Europe. Philip paced the way back. Away again. Trap was all he could do. I'll do what I can to get things started. This could be a huge mistake, and it's going to cost a lot of money, and you're both better considered that the social worker might take a dim view of us starting a risky biscuit business at this point. I'm not giving up my job. At least that's one steady income. I'll talk to her about it, Kim. Decided on See how she reacts. You'll talk to Grace about pitching it around the house? Yes, yeah, I'll go down to the club and run it by her. Fine. That leaves you to deal with Seth tonight. He smiled thinly. and said, make sure he does his homework. Oh, God. Now, that's settled. Kim, you back. Who's cooking dinner? <laughs> End of chapter five.